Veronica. What is your damage, Heather? In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Anne, and greetings and salutations. Welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 209, Heathers. This is a podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. And as always, welcome to Verbal Diorama. Whether you are a brand new listener to this podcast, whether you are a regular returning listener to this podcast, welcome back. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for just to listen to this podcast. I am, as always, so happy to have you here for the history and legacy of Heathers. And before we jump into Heathers, because we've got a lot to talk about with this movie, I just want to say a huge thank you for the wonderful reception to the previous episodes of this podcast, to Wreck-It Ralph and Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. So we've gone from Niceland to Iceland, and then from Sam Ryder to Winona Ryder. See what I did there. This is literally murder, suicides, High school is hell. Never trust the bad boy. Not even if he looks like Christian Slater, especially if he looks like Christian Slater. But I'm always so delighted with the reception that these podcast episodes get. And Wreck-It Ralph specifically has just done so incredibly well. And who doesn't love a movie about Eurovision? Eurovision happened. It was amazing. Sweden won. Laureen won with the song Tattoo. And I mentioned Laureen a couple of times in that episode as well. And her amazing song Euphoria. So I'm delighted with the reception to the Eurovision Song Contest, a story of Fire Saga. But Heathers, a film that is so very, it's one of the greatest teen movies ever made, one of the greatest black comedies ever made, full of classic one-liners. And it's a movie that gave Heather Chandler depth, Kurt Kelly a soul, and Ram Sweeney a brain. I don't know what it's given me. But I also have no control over myself when Christian Slater is on the screen. I had such a huge crush on him as a teenager. And it's probably where my bad boy fascination came from. Our love is God. Let's go get a sushi. And here's the trailer for Heathers. You wanted to be a member of the most powerful clique in school. Dear diary, Heather said she teaches people real life. You were nothing before you met me. You were a Girl Scout cookie. Does it not bother you that everybody in this school thinks that you're a piranha? Like, I give a shit. Everyone and everyone just looked right at me. You a Heather? No, I'm a Veronica. I don't really like my friends. I don't really like your friends either. There are people I work with and our job is being popular. Maybe it's time to take a vacation. best friend and your worst enemy same difference my teen angst has a body count this was a tragic thing hallelujah 
We scare people into not being assholes. What did you say, dickhead? <laughs> I did not want them dead. You did too. Did not. You did not. Shut up. I love my dead gay son. You were out of control. That knife is filthy. What do you think I'm gonna do with it? Take out her tonsils? Ha! Is this as good for you as it is for me? Life can suck! That's it. We're breaking up. Veronica Sawyer is a high school student who is part of the popular clique known as the Heathers. Three girls, all named Heather. Veronica has grown tired of the lead Heather, Heather Chandler's cruel behaviour, and begins to question her place in their group. When she meets new student Jason, J.D. Dean, Veronica finds herself drawn to him, despite his violent tendencies. Together they plot revenge against the Heathers and the school's hierarchy, but their plans quickly spiral out of control and students start dying. Luckily, Veronica is great at forging handwriting for suicide notes. Let's run through the cast. We have Winona Ryder as Veronica Sawyer, Christian Slater as Jason J.D. Dean, Shannon Doherty as Heather Duke, Lizanne Falk as Heather McNamara, Kim Walker as Heather Chandler, Penelope Milford as Pauline Fleming, Glenn Shaddix as Father Ripper, Lance Fenton as Kurt Kelly, Patrick Labiorto as Ram Sweeney, Renee Estevez as Betty Finn, Jeremy Applegate as Peter Dawson, and Carrie Lynn as Martha Dunstock. Heather's was written by Daniel Waters and was directed by Michael Lemon. And let's go back, way, way back, to the spring of 1986. And video store clerk Daniel Waters was writing his first screenplay, inspired by his love of Stanley Kubrick, Terence Malick and William Shakespeare. He envisaged the movie that he wanted to see, a high school film with the satire of 1964's Dr. Strangelove and the narration from 1973's Badlands. He'd grown up on the comedies of John Hughes, specifically The Breakfast Club, and he loved it for its quaint time capsuleness. But he found it lacking actual, genuine teenage characters. Kids were always innocent, even when they acted like jerks. He wanted to depict kids as they were. Kids could be to blame too, not just the parents. He wanted a teen movie that was dark, cynical and satirical. What if Stanley Kubrick had done a teen high school movie? He wrote an original draft, which was more like a novel than a screenplay, and went into great detail about the aftermath of each quote-unquote suicide. And while it would have multiple revisions and pages and pages would be removed, one constant always remained. The name Heathers. Waters had written a short script in college about a girl who gets burned at the stake during an American high school football game, and the script had three supporting characters called Heather. And Heather was an incredibly popular name for baby girls in America in the 1970s, gaining in popularity in the late 1960s, peaking at number three for all baby girls born in the country in 1975 after Jennifer and Amy. The name Veronica was 72nd that year. So Heathers was chosen on purpose and Heathers stuck. As he was writing his script, he dreamed of Jennifer Connolly as Veronica. At the time, Connolly was fresh off her starring role in Labyrinth and was the ideal age. But then, so was Winona Ryder, but more on casting later. Waters really, really wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct, and once his screenplay was finished, he set out to get the script Kubrick. This was despite the fact that Waters was literally just a guy working at a video store and had no agent. Waters was persistent and would acquire an agent of the script for Heathers, 
But even that agent wasn't enamoured with it and wanted Waters to write something else. Waters would then leave and sign with Bobby Thompson, the same agent who represented Denise Denovi and Michael Lehman, both of whom would become integral to the story of Heather's being made. Michael Lehman, a student at the University of Southern California, shot a short film while there called The Beaver Gets a Boner. Daniel Waters was living with his friend Larry Karaszewski, a fellow USC graduate, and Larry was working on this short film with Michael Lehman. Lemon was an up-and-coming director who seemed to know all his friends. He was also signed with Bobby Thompson, and Lemon had also worked at American Zoetrope, then named just Zoetrope Studios, the production company founded by Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas. While the Stanley Kubrick as his dream director thing never happened, Daniel Walter's friend of a friend, Michael Lemon, would end up being his dream director. The script landed with him and producer Denise Denovi. Denovi loved Heathers immediately and took it to the executives at New World Pictures, who thought she was crazy. But New World would end up distributing Heathers, although that would bring about its own issues, more on that later. New Line Cinema were interested in the premise and they wanted to change it into more of a genre film rather than a satirical comedy, though. The script would have to be changed. The original ending in which JD succeeds in blowing up the high school and everyone in it ended with a prom scene in heaven wasn't something New World were interested in. A satirical movie about teenage suicide was one thing, but not a satirical movie about teenage suicide where all the teenagers die at the end. And really, it's not a film about teenage suicide at all. It's a film about the ridiculous posthumous adulation of teenagers who were awful in real life. Many high school movies of the 80s focused on a more romanticised version of high school, whereas Daniel Waters saw the pain and drama. His high school experience was good, but his siblings' experiences weren't, and he stole from his younger sister's experiences of cliques. Additionally, teen suicides were becoming featured in the news, and it was seen as an epidemic. In this movie, rather than investigate each death, the presence of a suicide note is all the evidence needed to rule the deaths a tragic suicide, and each student's death is glamorised. A serious cry for help by Martha Dunstuck is laughed off as just trying to copy the popular elite. Heather's touched on and laughed at suicide, self-harm, eating disorders, school shootings, peer group pressure, fat shaming, and even rape. The taboo breaking of Heather's hasn't entirely held up over time, nor has the language used within it. Today, it wouldn't really work to shoot a couple of jocks and then make it appear as though they were involved in a gay suicide pact. Neither would the picture of a teenager in a trench coat nonchalantly flashing a gun in the cafeteria and the shooting said jocks with blanks. Ten years prior to the Columbine shooting, jokes about school shootings were still considered to be the stuff of far-fetched imagination. But Michael Lemon wanted to make an actual high school movie with actual teenagers, which meant getting parental permission. And this would also prove kind of tricky. At an informal read-through of the script, Dana Delaney read for Veronica, the role of JD in this informal read-through was read by a very young Brad Pitt. Neither would be considered for the movie, though. Jennifer Connelly was approached for Veronica, along with Justine Bateman, the elder sister of Jason Bateman. She was most well-known at the time as Mallory Keaton on Family Ties. Both Connelly and Bateman turned the role down. Next on the list was a 16-year-old prodigy who loved our house cinema and film noir. She'd had her breakout role in Lucas. She was pale. She had blue-black dyed hair. And it just shot a little movie called Beetlejuice. And there is a previous episode of this podcast on Beetlejuice as well. Ryder's agent at the time begged her not to take the role, that it was basically career suicide, no pun intended, and that she would never work again if she did. But Ryder loved the script and parted ways with her agent and took the part. Luckily, her parents were very open to the idea 
After all, she'd already made Beetlejuice, which was hardly a children's movie. Obviously, Ryder was not Daniel Waters' first choice because that had been Jennifer Connelly, and she wasn't really who he envisaged as Veronica. But his opinion changed when she started filming. Waters would rewrite Veronica post Ryder's casting, making her less evil and twisted and more compassionate and an audience surrogate. The role of JD went to 19-year-old Christian Slater, known for the 1986 drama The Name of the Rose, and Slater thought he'd screwed up his audition and, like with Ryder, wasn't Waters' ideal choice. But he got the part and wowed Waters with his intensity and charisma and his on-set chemistry with Ryder, who turned 17 just after filming finished. While he was dating lead Heather Kim Walker during filming, after filming, he and Ryder would date for a brief period. Speaking of the Heathers and Heathers in general, Michael Lennon really wanted to cast a 16-year-old Heather Graham as Heather Chandler, but due to her very conservative upbringing, her parents refused permission. She wasn't the only Heather actor to have very strict parents, though. 17-year-old Shannon Doherty, who'd previously been in Little House on the Prairie, came in to read for Veronica, but Winona Ryder had already been cast. She would instead read for Heather Duke, but rather reluctantly, she wanted the Veronica role. She was asked to audition for Heather Chandler, but Doherty felt an affinity with Heather Duke, the bulimic second-in-command to Heather Chandler, who was elevated after her friend's quote-unquote suicide. Doherty had had a fairly successful television career behind her. She was probably the best-known name in the cast at that time, but she also came from a very strict, conservative household and found the language in the script difficult, especially as her mother was often on set. She refused to say the F-word, and the famous line about effing with a chainsaw came from one of Waters' college friends who said, F me gently with a crowbar, and he thought chainsaw sounded less masculine than crowbar. Lizanne Falk lied about her age to get part of Heather McNamara. Everyone else was late teens, the appropriate age for a high school student. So Falk told the producers that she was 18, 19 at the audition. After she got the part, it slipped out in conversation that she was actually 23. And the late Kim Walker, who died in 2001, aged just 32, was an inexperienced at the time she was cast as Heather Chandler, but she was dating Christian Slater at the time and she was exactly the sort of blonde beauty they were looking for. The Heathers themselves were colour-coded in the original script, red Heather, yellow Heather and green Heather. The colours symbolised their social status and personalities. Red Heather Chandler, the leader, ruthless, strength, power and passion. Yellow Heather McNamara is cheery, friendly and loyal, but also a little cowardly. Green Heather Duke is envious, ambitious and takes the power of Heather Chandler as soon as she dies, becoming red. And even Veronica is coloured blue for wisdom, confidence, intelligence and truth. Waters had changed the ending from the prom scene in heaven and had written a happy ending where Veronica saves the school and reunites with Martha in the school halls. An ending that he much preferred that never made it into a shooting script had Veronica ask Martha to come to her house and Martha would stab Veronica, saying, F you, Heather. Veronica lays bleeding on the floor, insisting that her name is not Heather, with Martha getting up out of her wheelchair. Waters admits he goes back and forth over whether he prefers the filmed ending or the unscripted ending. The movie was given a small budget of $3 million and the filmmakers had just 33 days to shoot Heathers between July and August 1988. Much of the film was shot at Verdigo Hills High School, John Adams Middle School and Corvallis High School. Since Veronica and Heather Chandler's bedrooms were built in the school gymnasium of Verdugo Hills, Veronica's house and garden were on Luca Drive in Pacific Palisades and while the shoot was relatively brief, most of the cast started developing their own little geeks. The set of Heathers was like a social experiment for teenagers. 
the guys and the girls split off with the guys sending the girls notes and there being a lot of hormonally charged sexual innuendo. Christian Slater stayed fairly aloof as his character JD. The Heather's team of Kim Walker, Lizanne Falk and Winona Ryder hung out together with Falk and Ryder grown particularly close. Shannon Doherty had a bit of a girl crush on Winona Ryder at the time but she and Slater reportedly didn't get on. Shannon Doherty has a little bit of a reputation for being difficult and to be honest I don't know if I actually agree with that. She seems to be more the sort of girl who just speaks her mind and says that she doesn't want to do something. Slater and Ryder of course got on like a house on fire both on and off set. Ryder crushed on him hard, why would you not? But Slater was older and slightly more responsible than his character would lead you to believe and he did try to keep things professional on set. But then the film wrapped and he broke up with Kim Walker and Kesara Sara. The experience of making Heather's was positive for everyone. Winona Ryder would call the original script, quote, among the great literature that I've ever read. For me, it's like Ezra Pound, Philip Roth, Saul Bellow and Daniel Waters, unquote. She out and out loves the movie, loves the character of Veronica, claims she's seen it 50 times and loves being part of a unique period in teen movie history. There was nothing like Heather's before it and nothing like it after. Mean Girls comes close, but it lacks, well, death. Mean Girls would be famously directed by Daniel Waters' brother, Mark. Since its release, Heathers has been compared to another horror thriller released in 1976, Massacre Central High, which was released here in the UK as Blackboard Massacre. And this was a low-budget social and political commentary exploitation thriller following a series of revenge killings at an American high school, after which the oppressed students take on the roles of their bullies. It was cited as a possible influence to Heathers, but Daniel Waters has denied ever seeing it. Whereas Heathers is concerned with critiquing how society and the media glamorises suicide, Massacre is interested in presenting an allegory about fascism. Where Heathers is a black comedy, Massacre is a lot more serious. Speaking of comedies, so, we time for the obligatory Keanu reference of this episode. And if you don't know what that is, it's where I try and link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure had actually been out in the US for seven weeks by the time Heathers actually premiered. But even with seven weeks head start, Bill and Ted still beat Heathers considerably at the box office. And I'm going to go into that because, as I'm going to come to, Heathers didn't do very well. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about the music because the opening and end credits use versions of the song K Sera Sera. The opening version is by Sid Straw and the end credits by Sly and the Family Stone. The filmmakers originally wanted to use Doris Day's original version, but Day refused to allow any project containing profanity to use her version of the song. The song Teenage Suicide, parentheses, Don't Do It, was by fictional band Big Fun, the song written by Don Dixon and performed by Dixon, Mitch Easter, Angie Carlson and Marty Jones. Big Fun, not to be confused with British boy band Big Fun, who were big fun, in 1989, getting top 10 hits here in the UK with a cover of Blame It on the Boogie. And as I mentioned, when it comes to the marketing and release of Heathers, this is where the story starts to go a bit downhill. It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on the 21st of January 1989 and got mostly positive reviews, but a few did find it vulgar and irresponsible. At the time, New World Pictures didn't really have a lot of money to back a marketing campaign for Heathers, but the true nature of the issues at New World were to come. As Heathers was released on the 31st of March 1989, New World Pictures was going bankrupt. Denise Denovi paid $1,800 out of her own money for an ad in the LA Times about Heathers, but the damage, as in, what's your damage, Heather, was already done. 
It would open 16th at the domestic U.S. box office, opening in just 35 theatres around the U.S. The biggest release at the time, Rain Man, just as a comparison, was opening 1,581 theatres. In its first week, it made only $263,715. And it just got worse, really. While it declined to 15th place in the next week and increased to 54 theatres nationwide in its third week, it just never gained any momentum at the box office, only grossing $1.1 million. A 2018 re-release here in the UK would add $55,000 to its coffers. It would, of course, gain cult classic status after its release on VHS and Laserdisc, and has since built up a huge fan base with multiple re-releases on VHS, DVD and Blu-ray, the most recent being a 30th anniversary steelbook. Arrow Films has also released a 4K restoration, the aforementioned cinematic re-release, and also on Blu-ray. While on its release critics were mixed, retrospectively it's been reassessed as being one of the game-changing teen movies of the 80s. Wickedly smart and subversive, it currently sits at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Over the years, there have been a number of attempts to create a Heather's TV show. Daniel Waters, Denise Denovi, and Michael Lemon pitched their TV version to Peter Churning of the Fox Television Network in the early 90s. But Fox TV were quite new, and they were choosing between Heather's and another TV show to commission, and they chose the other TV show. That other TV show turned out to be Beverly Hills 90210. So Shannon Doherty wins either way. In addition to capturing its era, Heather's also captured something universal. But updating it for a contemporary audience required some significant changes. So in comparison to the film, Heather's the musical is a lot more happy, a lot more upbeat. It has more of a focus on female empowerment rather than transgressive parody. Less people brandish guns. There are fewer instances of sexual assault. And Veronica no longer intentionally burns her hands on cigarettes out of self-loathing. And while it does appeal to fans, some people have also compared it to a mere glee episode about suicide. There was actually a TV series about Heathers. It is another adaptation of the story in modern times. In addition to the musical, it's described as a satirical comedy that takes creative risks in dealing with many of society's most challenging subjects ranging from personal identity to race and socio-economic status to gun violence. Set in the current day, the new Heathers are no longer all slim, privileged white girls. Instead, one is a plus-size female, one is a black lesbian, and one is a genderqueer male, whereas Veronica is white and blonde. As a significant departure from the original setup, the political satire of the first movie is reversed, and it in turn inadvertently became embraced by the alt-right. Despite featuring many LGBTQ people behind the scenes, including creator Jason McAuliffe, executive producer Leslie Headland, and director Sidney Friedland. The series was scheduled to air in March 2018, but was postponed at the last minute in light of a high school shooting in Parkland, Florida. Three months later, after a Santa Fe school shooting, the show was pulled from US schedules altogether. It's not the end of a potential sequel to Heather's, though. It's something that Winona Ryder has talked about many, many times over the years including a potential plot where Veronica becomes a page for a senator named Heather, played by Meryl Streep. And the ending would be Veronica assassinating the president and getting away with it. And because the president is a Heather, it turns out to be a very good thing. Obviously, that has never happened. But with Beetlejuice 2, now a possibility. Who knows? Maybe we will get a Heathers too. Let's move over to some social media thoughts. I always like to ask on social media what people think of the movie that I'm featuring. 
And we're going to start with perennial commenter Andy on Patreon, who says, Engage me in gentle sexual congress with a chainsaw. It has been decades since I've last seen this film that was a stalwart of my post-high school years, a film that cemented the enduring legacies of Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. It should have also cemented the legacies of screenwriter Daniel Waters and director Michael Lerman, damn you Hudson Hawk. A sharp, black as Ada Dale Cooper's coffee comedy, it doesn't shy away from engaging in uncomfortable topics, including teenage suicide, parentheses don't do it, sexual assault and homophobia, and that's what made this movie easily malleable to current topics, see the musical, and a real gem for 1990 video store clerks and high school seniors like me. And as always, if a patron gives their comments on these episodes, I do like to give them a bit of a plug for their podcast, if they have one. So, Andy's podcast, it is called Geek Salad, and obviously it is the one-stop shop for all of your geeky needs, whether that is movies, music, TV shows, games, literally anything and everything you will find over at Geek Salad. I will put some information in the show notes for Geek Salad. You should absolutely take a listen. And the final patron comment comes from Derek, who says, I haven't seen it in years. Christian Slater is a masterful trickster, bringing death, destruction and corruption everywhere he goes, but you still just love him. He's a trickster like the best of them, from Hermes, Loki or the Joker. You know he's bad and you still love to watch. I mean, it is true. You do still love to watch Christian Slater. Derek also hosts his own podcast with his amazing wife, Laurel. It is called The Midnight Myth and it basically talks about movies, TV shows, etc. from a philosophical, mythological or historical perspective and basically how pop culture is linked to those topics. And it's a genuinely fascinating podcast. I'll put some information in the show notes for The Midnight Myth as well. Moving over to Twitter, we're going to start with at DoomGenPod who said, It's so very. We even have K Sarah Sarah tattoos. And I did ask for a look at the tattoos and they are wonderful tattoos as well. Those tattoos, they are so very. At T Podcast TW Died, simply put a gif of It's a Masterpiece. At Needed Road said, In the words of JD, chaos killed the dinosaurs, darling. At The Shelley Story said, Christian Slater's finest and most iconic performance. Incredible film. At Andrew Gorge said, A classic. Purchased the Arrow Films reissue last week. At Swayze of Arabia said, Heather's is a movie I came to fairly recently. It's a pretty solid movie, chucked full of great black comedy and some solid performances from a pretty solid cast. Corn nuts. At Corona T said, Heather's is my favourite Winona Ryder film, followed closely by Beetlejuice. I had the biggest crush on Christian Slater and thought Winona was so cool and watched this movie twice in the movie theatre, then at multiple slumber parties as a kid. I still silently say, what's your damage, Heather, whenever I meet a Heather. The Gen Xers always laugh and respond, I love that movie. Well, I'm off to treat myself to a rewatch. Just one comment over on Instagram, at Friendly Sparpod, who said, I'm so happy you're covering this film. I watched it recently because I had an opportunity to audition for the musical. In my humble opinion, I prefer the musical, but the movie is equally fantastic. I love the dark sense of humour, the social commentary, and just how far it is willing to go. Heather's walked so that mean girls could run. Very true. No comments over on Facebook, but as always, thank you to everyone for your comments on Heather's. And if you do want your comment read out in episode, simply comment on the comments, if that makes sense, on social media. They normally go up on a Friday at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And I will pop your comment in the episode and I will read it out. And also credit you as well. 
Rewatching Heathers, it's very clear that this is one movie that would simply never be made today, not in its original incarnation. Because what in the late 1980s is an outlandish teen satirical comedy fantasy about school shootings and bombing the gymnasium has unfortunately become a remarkably prescient look into real-world America, where the threat of gun-carrying students is a terrifying reality. And it's hard to believe that only 35 years ago, this was a source of satire. All of the John Hughes influences are present in Heathers, but they are mercilessly amplified. You've got the mean girls, jocks, bullying, upper-middle-class boredom, dumb or abusive parents, deluded teachers and a bad boy crush. Heathers opened the way for a period of darker, edgier, more experimental teen comedy because of its self-aware tone, the script's abundance of nasty, snarky catchphrases and the gaudy technical colour scheme. Instead of putting an end to the teen black comedy genre, Heathers gave it new life. In its absence, some of Heather's legacy has percolated down through the generations. In other teen movies like Clueless, Jawbreaker, Mean Girls and Election, and in TV shows like Beverly Hills 90210, also sorry, Shannon Doherty, notable modern shows like Gossip Girl, with those stylish, edgy dramas with a specific, more adult vernacular. Of course, the most unsettling aspect of Heather's vision is how accurate it was for the real world. And in 1989, Heather's themes were so absurdly bizarre that the movie could safely be categorised as a satirical comedy. A loose synopsis of the plot would resemble a news report by today's standards. And additionally, at first, JD is a sensitive, well-spoken, gorgeous young man who instantly attracts Veronica. But just like Jock's Curtin Van, he's also a byproduct of toxic masculinity and turns to violence because the women in his life don't love him enough to stick around. First his mother, who commits suicide in a building being demolished by his father, and then Veronica, who sees through his sociopathic and psychotic tendencies. JD astutely observes that the extreme always seems to make an impression. Even though the standard for extreme keeps rising, this attitude still holds true when it comes to Heathers, which still impresses and shocks in equal measures. Nothing will ever be made this way again. School shootings will never be treated with such a blasé attitude. Nor will partnering violence with wholesomeness, be accepted in such a frank way, but its presence will always continue to be felt in teen media by its witty dialogue, teen nihilism, sartorial choices, and complete chaos. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Heather's. And if you do want to get involved and you want to help this podcast grow, you could do what some wonderful people have done recently. You can leave a five-star rating and review wherever you found this podcast. So somewhere like Apple Podcast or Podchaser or Spotify, it helps immensely because the more five-star ratings and reviews that this podcast gets, then hopefully it will entice other people to listen as well. You can also help by retweeting or liking posts on social media. I am at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd. Or you could simply just tell your friends and family about this podcast. And if you like this episode of Heathers, you might also like episode 37, Clueless, because while Clueless doesn't really take much from Heathers, arguably there is a little bit of the DNA of Heathers in Clueless. To me, Clueless is the great high school teen comedy. Heathers is very, very slightly behind Clueless. Clueless to me is flawless and perfect in every way. It's flawless Alicia Silverstone as well. But if you do enjoy your sardonic, quick-witted teen comedies, then Clueless will definitely be up your alley. I've also chosen episode 121, Jennifer's Body, because 
Jennifer's body kind of takes that very high school is hell element and a very kind of mean girl-ish trope. Kind of turn it on its head a little bit with a demonic possession. I'm a huge fan of Jennifer's body. I think it's an absolutely brilliant movie. And I think everyone has done Megan Fox dirty over the past couple of decades. Megan Fox is terrific in Jennifer's body. And the movie itself really is well worthy of your time. Episode 122, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because Buffy is the original High School is Hell TV show and the movie started the TV show. So again, a lot of people don't like the movie. I actually really do enjoy the movie a lot. And it's set in a high school, so why not? And the most recent one, episode 205, Bring It On, because there are cheerleaders in that movie. There are cheerleaders in this movie too. Obviously, give me feedback and let me know what you think of my recommendations. So the next episode, we're actually going to be going into something I'm calling Kaijun. And if you don't know what that is, it's Kaiju and June mixed together. Because in the month of June, I want to talk about kaiju movies. I'm a huge fan of monster movies, and I always have been. There's something about kaiju movies specifically that really, really get me in a place where I'm really enjoying myself. And the first one is, I'm going to be going to South Korea. You guys know I love a South Korean movie. We're going to be going to one of the greatest South Korean directors, Bong Joon-ho, and only his third movie that he ever directed, a movie called The Host, which... I expect a lot of you listening don't know what The Host is. I would implore you to go out and find a copy of The Host. It is an absolutely wonderful movie. It does have a monster in it, but it's not about the monster. The monster is something else entirely. But it's also a very rare monster movie where you see the monster pretty much immediately and in full view as well. And Bong Joon-ho did that very deliberately. All of the movies throughout Koi Joon are kind of going to be linked in a weird way, but I had to start with the host because I saw it very recently and I just fell in love with it immediately. So join me next week for the history and legacy of Bong Joon-ho's The Host. And just by listening to this podcast, you are supporting this podcast and I am very, very grateful for that support. But if you do want to support me further, you can sign up to support the show at verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. And you can join the amazing patrons. They are Simon E, Sade, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Vern, Kat, Andy, Mike, Luke, Michael, Scott, Brendan, Ian, Lisa, Sam, Jack, Dave, Chris, Stuart, Sonny, Drew, Nicholas, Zoe, Kev, Pete, Heather, Danny, Ali, Tyler, Stu, Brett, Philip and Michelle. You inherit $5 million the same day aliens land on the earth and say they're going to blow it up in two days. What are you doing? I mean, you support Verbal Diorama with that $5 million, surely. I do have a merch store. It's verbaldiorama.com slash merch. You can get in touch with me and say hi by emailing me verbaldiorama at gmail.com. You can also check out my website. It's verbaldiorama.com. And you can also find me at filmstories.co.uk, writing bits, writing magazine bits, and doing other bits too. Not those sort of bits. And finally... Veronica, you look like hell. Yeah. I just got back. Veronica, what are you doing? Heather, my love, there's a new sheriff in town. Bye. You should know.